This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome back to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast, helping take your leadership to the next level. My name is Sam. I'm your host, and joining me with a the indubitable, <laughs> with a fresh new book. Yes, is Dr. Richard Blackaby. Good to be with you as always, Sam. Well, it's always my. I pleasure. know I keep saying that, but I still mean it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. So that's job security. Well, Richard, um, you have recently written, or rewritten rather. Um, a new book called The Solomon Promise. And I thought on today's episode, what might be good is to just sort of break this book down for us, tell us why it's important, why did you write it, and so on and so forth. But uh, to begin with, why don't you just tell us what is this book? Where did it come from? What's it mean to you? And uh, just kind of give us the the flyby to start. Uh, yeah, I, you know me. I'm, I sometimes have pretty, pretty lengthy flybys, but I'll do my well, best. Yeah, oh, F sixteen flyby or more of a it's more <laughs> of a hot a air balloon single prop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The new um, the new book is called The Solomon Promise, and the subtitle is The Key to Healing America and Ourselves. And uh, it's actually a book that was originally written by my dad. Uh, and so I'm more of a with Richard Blackaby on the cover now. Uh, because originally this book uh, came out uh, years ago, actually had a different title called uh, uh, Holiness. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to kind of give a background of this book, uh, years ago when my dad was really on the move and uh, just being used very powerfully of God, a publisher uh, at the time, Thomas Nelson, came to my dad and said, uh, we would love to just capture some of the most powerful messages that uh, you're using in your ministry. And uh, could you kind of think about maybe some sermons that you preached over the years that have just brought the house down, where the Spirit of God just fell upon everyone in the room and you just thought to yourself, wow, that's a obviously a word from God that God's anointed and so on. And so Dad ultimately picked three sermons on the theme of holiness and put those into a book and originally they were just they were mostly just taken from uh you know transcripts of sermons he'd actually preached and uh so now if you I, I was in the room when he preached some of those sermons or I heard the the tapes uh, soon afterward and literally all three sermons you just there was just this hushed silence uh in the, these sermons, Dad would, wouldn't even be finished preaching the sermon yet, and people would just spontaneously start getting out of their seats and coming to the front and kneeling and praying and crying out to God. And uh, you just, if you were in the room when one of these sermons was preached, you just knew that you'd had an encounter with Almighty Holy God. And so, very, very powerful messages. But originally, they kind of had them as pretty well transcripts of what he said. And anyone who's ever written knows there's a difference between preaching and writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, preaching, of course, is very dynamic in the moment. But uh, but as you're preaching, my dad never preached from a manuscript. So he's, he's grasping words as he preaches. And when you do that, sometimes, I mean, it's very dynamic, but sometimes... Uh, you might use the same word over and over again, or you might not quite use the word you would have used if you'd had time to think about it. And so when you read the books later, sometimes you kind of feel like 
you know, well, he's kind of repetitive there. Or, or I'm not quite sure that's always the case in every situation. And yeah, spoken word uh, lands differently than yeah. the written word. So uh, anyway, so during COVID last year, uh, and especially with just the tearing apart, it seemed, of America by the seams, the publisher came back to me and just said, we really believe that this message that your dad wrote years ago is so, so relevant to today. And God's people desperately need to hear this message. Mm -hmm. And they said, would you be willing to take it and basically update it, maybe make it a bit clearer and, and polished and so on and keep all the power of the message, but maybe just give it a bit of a fresh, uh, overhaul and write a new forward to it and so on. So there's several new things added to the book and it's also just completely overhauled. But I, I feel really good about, uh, it's very readable and powerful and it's, it's the kind of book that you, it's not long, it's just over a hundred or so pages, but it's the kind of book that you just read little bits at a time and then you just have to process yeah. what you read. A lot so, of digesting happening. Yeah, so I'm really excited. I, 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 the, the publisher really feels like this is really the message that God's people desperately need to hear. And so it officially is available April 6th. And so anytime after April 6th, you should be able to get it at certainly at Amazon. It seems like a lot of people's go-to, or you can go to our website at blackaby.org and just click on bookstore and all the Blackaby books, of course, are always there as well. Yeah. And we'll, we'll be sure to leave links to it uh, in the show notes uh, for today's podcast. Uh, but maybe I'll return to the uh, the title. You've, you've we've had a title change, and yeah. now it's called the Solomon Promise. So why that? Well, why that cor- title? It, of course, it goes back to Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen, uh, w- the famous revival passage, if you will, from the Old Testament, and uh, and and you all are familiar with that. But God is uh, giving a promise to Solomon. Solomon is dedicating the temple. Uh, it's a it's a commitment for God's people to say. We want to be serious with God, and in return, God has promised He's going to do some things for us and bless us and so on and be our God. But uh, but then even in the midst of this glorious moment where you've got this spectacular King Solomon that seems so wise, and he's just built this one of the world wonders of temples in the, in the known world, and everything seems so awesome, and yet even then, at the height, you might say, of... Of, of the people's walk with God, God already says, but when you depart from me, God knows full well that even at your closest moment with God, that inevitably a time is going to come when you're going to depart in some way. And then he gives in Second Chronicles seven fourteen that powerful word. And, and it's actually preceded by God saying, if you depart from me, I'm going to do these things. And Basically, I'll bring discipline upon you as a nation, as a people, and you'll you'll realize eventually, if you if you're paying attention at all, you'll realize that something has changed in our relationship, and I'm not blessing you like I used to. I'm not protecting you from your enemies like I used to, and uh, and and so when that happens, of course, he says in verse 14, uh, and if if my and my people. Who hear my or bear my name, humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And so this title basically looks at is sort of built on that verse. He's going to unpack a lot of other verses in the book, but basically 
saying if it's about revival always begins with God's people. And, mm-hmm. you know, Sam, you and I know that there there's two misconceptions that we don't really have time to get into today. But one is there's there's a bunch of people who feel like uh, the Old Testament is it's sort of done and gone. It's it's had its day. And so we don't we're New Testament Christians. We don't base our lives on Old Testament verses. I disagree with that, but uh, there are some prominent Christian leaders who say we have a new covenant, a new testament, and so just focus on that. I think whenever God reveals something in the Old Testament, anytime God reveals something about who he is, what his character is like, you need to make note of that because God doesn't change. He's the same God in the Old Testament as the new. He's He's with Jesus and the cross, he's added some new dimensions, uh, certainly that are critical, but that doesn't negate how God revealed himself earlier. He's, he, he, God didn't change. So, and at the same time, his ways don't change either. He, uh, when he acts in holiness, when he acts to discipline his people, he still does that. And of course, uh, so you, when you find something in the Old Testament, if it reveals something about the heart of God, or if it reveals something about the nature of people, um, that you, you can take that seriously because people don't really change, haven't changed in, since creation, and God doesn't change. So there's a lot that we can apply. But uh, secondly, just to say, there's also a lot of misconceptions about the concept of revival. And, and I know some very prominent people, they tend to focus on evangelism. And, and and of course, there's nothing wrong with being evangelistic, but there's a lot of people that are so focused on that, that they misrepresent revival. And I've read even just recently uh, in some current books by popular authors that would say, well, revival is basically for lazy people. For people that don't want to get out there and do the hard work of evangelism, they just want to kind of sit around and pray all the time and hope that God will just bring revival and kind of fix everything that got messed up because we didn't do proper evangelism. And uh, whenever I read that, my first thought is, well, you don't have a clue what revival is. Uh, I don't know any promoter of revival who sees it as you don't need to do evangelism, just pray for revival. Uh, it's not a shortcut. It's not uh, kind of like a control alt delete sort of reset because we've messed up so bad uh the easy button (laughs) it's uh yeah it's uh revival is something on a massive scale uh that it does within a short period of time it accomplishes far more than we could in just our normal work day by day it's it's god intervening on a scale only god can do but uh but typically revival is just us coming back to God or it's returning to him. And, and there's plenty of new Testament verses that talk about the very same thing. You know, James four verse eight says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And, and that's basically revival. It's, it's when we say I've drifted too far from God, I need to return. And the moment that you begin returning to him, God says he will quickly draw near to you as well. So you know, revival is not a Old Testament concept. It's a very New Testament, right up into uh, the book of Revelation. The risen Christ goes to the church in Ephesus and says, uh, you've lost your first love. Uh, repent 
uh, quickly and return to me. He says, otherwise, I'm going to come and I'll remove your lampstand. And uh, that you, you might think, wow, that sounds kind of Old Testament. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, what it sounds like is God. And God continues to be the same way. When, when we depart from him, he's constantly drawing us back and, and uh, wooing us back and to himself. And uh, the consequences for not returning are just as devastating now as they've ever been. Absolutely. And um, you, know, you talk about some of the consequences of, of losing the fear of God. What signs do you see in America today um, that we've lost that fear? And I, and I want to maybe parse this a little bit and say, uh, you know, I, I think in, in today's culture, we've, there's a bit of a conflation of sort of conservative, conservatism, let's call it the Republican Party, what have you, uh, with the church and with Christianity. But perhaps we can sort of thread that needle a little uh, bit. Well, but, thanks, uh, <laughs> Sam, for bringing that up, throwing politics into my podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. But so <laughs> what do you see in America? But then maybe even more specifically, what do you see in the church? Because that's where the revival will take place is in the church, right. not necessarily at large until it happens in the church. Yeah. And you've thrown lots of stuff out there, Sam. Yeah. Uh, so thanks just, a lot for that. Just, uh, Go whichever direction your heart <laughs> yeah. feels. Well, you know, one thing, to go back to Second Chronicles 7.14, that, that, of course, at the time, God's people was the nation of Israel. It was mm-hmm. an entity. Um, but today, God's people would be Christians. Uh, God's people would be the church. And I think that that's why, I mean, God could have said, as long as the nation of Israel does this, uh, as long as the king of Israel does this, but he said, "My as long as my people mm. do this. And so I think we, we naturally need to begin and say, so who are God's people? And it's up to them uh, to, to do this and to return to God. And so I think one of the problems that we have over and over again, and we've talked about this, is we the church keeps trying to do God's work the world's way. And the world's way of changing a nation is through politics. It's through economics. It's through uh, you know getting the numbers out. Uh, it's through you know democratic votes where you win the day and you win the vote. Um, that's how the world does it. But uh, and the problem for a lot of Christians is we keep trying to transform America the way the world would. Uh, we we try to and and so we we wed ourselves to politics and politicians and people of power, people of influence. Uh, wealthy uh, donors and people that uh, have media presence. And we think if we can just get these people on our side, then we'll transform America, make it godly. And that doesn't happen. Uh, And God's never said, if you just get the right king over Israel, then all my people will be fine. He um, he said, it's no, my people are as a whole, each and individually, they've got to decide that they're going to walk with me. So <clears throat> one of our big problems is we keep, there's just too many people who think that for a revival to come to America, you've got to have the right political party in office or mm-hmm. in the white house. And, uh, much of Christian history, in fact, much of the best of church history has happened when government leaders weren't godly and they weren't supportive and God's people had to take a stand and say, uh, do we believe this or not? And in fact, it's interesting, uh, right now there are those claiming that the fastest growing church in the world 
is actually located in Iran. And of mm. course, Iran is, they don't have a Republican Party <laughs> running Iran <laughs> or a Democratic Party, uh, and certainly not a Christian Party. Uh, in fact, they are very hostile. They're going around the world trying to combat and kill Christians. And yet, the church is thriving there. Uh, the church is thriving in communist China. So don't ever think that if we just had all the right government people in place that the church could finally grow. Uh, that's a lie that is deceiving us and causing us to spend a lot of time focusing on the wrong things. So, so that, you know, I'd, I'd say that to kind of hit part of your question, <laughs> but also, you know, the issue of the fear of God, that is a hot button for a lot of people, especially yeah. I think uh, millennials on down, uh, to talk about fearing anybody is uh, not good. And certainly to fear someone that you love or that claims to love you seems ludicrous. Why would you fear someone who loves you? Uh, but but the, the big problem for God's people throughout the Old Testament was that they kept being seduced by idols. And idols were basically man-made religion. It was people creating God in their own image mm -hmm. and saying, well, what kind of God would I like to worship? Like, what kind of God would I be comfortable making sacrifices to and following and being loyal to? And well, I don't, I don't necessarily want a God who's too holy because I don't always want to live a holy life. And I certainly don't want to be held accountable for what I do because I mean, Hey, no one's perfect. So let's just have this sort of easygoing God that just live and let live. And, and, uh, he just kind of, I, I just kind of give him what he wants, give him a sacrifice now and then write a check, uh, uh, periodically put in the offering plate. And then in return, he blesses my business, blesses my health and blesses my finances. Uh, and so, yeah. And as long as you're not as bad as those other guys, yeah, I can you know. certainly think of people who are a lot worse than me. And, and so, you know, we, of course, we're not going to probably carve out of wood or stone a little image and bow down to it in uh, our, you know, back uh, bedroom. But, uh, but we have idols just the same. And, and, and sometimes even our Christianity can become a form of idolatry mm. where we so refashion God that the God of the Bible would say, who is this God you keep uh, saying that you believe in? Because it's not me, because that's not who I am. And so when you see the God of the Bible, Old and New Testament, uh, when people come in contact with him, they're, they're falling on their face. Uh, certainly in the Old Testament, Isaiah in chapter six is an example. Yeah. Isaiah is probably one of the godliest guys of his day, yet when he encounters God on his throne, he's like, woe is me, I'm undone. And why? Because he's not holy, and God is. Uh, you get to the New Testament, all the way to Revelation, and the, the apostle John Maybe at that time, the only uh, one of the 12 disciples still living, probably the the most prominent Christian leader in the world at the mm -hmm. time, Paul, Peter, all dead by then. Uh, yet when he comes face to face with the risen Christ, he's falling to the ground like a dead man. He can't even talk. He's so overwhelmed. And so that's not happening in typical church services today. In fact, you get Christians now that uh, when they're pulled and and you know, Barna and, and, uh, and all these different, uh, pollsters come along and start asking them questions about things that the Bible clearly states. And they'll say, well, I just don't believe God would judge sin. I don't think God would judge sinners. Uh, hmm. God's a loving God. Um, what's happened is we have so 
emasculated God. We've so defanged God, if you will, that he has no bite anymore. He just is a, just this kind of warm, encouraging person handing out participation medals to everybody, no matter how they live or what they do. And uh, that's just not the real God. And so when you talk about fearing God, it doesn't mean that you're afraid of him as if he's evil, that he's going to do something harmful to you out of spite or to take advantage of you, that he's, he's also perfectly loving. So how do you fear someone who's perfectly loving? Well, you just realize he's so beyond me that I, I can't begin really to get my arms around who he is. I try, I, 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 and that's why I think Paul said he'd spend his whole life trying to get to know Christ because there's just so much of him to know. And Paul, who probably knew him as well as anybody, uh, in Second in Corinthians 5, around verse 10, he says, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul said he was terrified, and not out of fear, like God was evil or bad. It's just that he was awesome. He was just so beyond him. Yeah. And my dad in the book uh, just says that God's people have lost the fear of God. And I'll tell and and it's certainly society has lost the fear of God. When you watch movies now, you watch you watch uh, stand-up comics now, um it they'll say things that are just shocking. In fact, that's why I just don't watch much anymore because I just don't want to be offended and um and I, there, I, I've sometimes I'll hear someone saying, making a joke about God or about Christianity, and I shudder in my spirit and think they have no idea what they're saying, what, 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 who they've just offended by belittling God, this creature of dust, thinking that he can just mock God and have no consequence. Um, and so this book just says, We've, it's one thing for society to lose its fear of God, but for God's people to lose the fear of God, that is a whole nother matter. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break here. God's people keep praying for God to transform Washington, Hollywood, or Wall Street, but revival always begins with God's people. If there ever was a time America needed spiritual reawakening, it's now. Currently, 70% of churches have plateaued or are in decline. More than two-thirds of young people who grew up attending church are leaving the faith before they graduate college. In The Solomon Promise, best-selling author Henry Blackaby shares the path to a renewal of faith in America and the restoration of holiness to God's people. Pre-order now at blackabystore.org. Links will be in the show notes. When God Speaks is a six-week online Bible study class based on the book by Henry and Richard Blackaby. The class is facilitated by the Blackaby team and features new teaching videos, an online discussion forum, and a live stream Q&A with Richard and Daniel Blackaby. Classes begin April 12th. Register at blackaby.org forward slash online classes, and links will be in the show notes. You know, Richard, one of the key parts of this book, um, your dad talks about developing your relationship with God so that you become a highway of holiness, this, yeah. this concept. Can you maybe unpack that for us? Yeah, that's one of my dad's probably most powerful sermons. In fact, you can actually get a, a copy of that. You can order that, the, the, the video or the DVD, not DVD, the CD. Yeah. <laughs> get it right. Or MP3. MP3, yeah. yeah you can download. Uh, I'm, I'm way behind, aren't I, Sam? <laughs> you pull me it's in okay. there. Because it was cassette tape when I first yeah, listened to it. Yeah. But, uh, Times they are changing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they, uh, 
and you can just hear it in his voice. Yeah. Uh, the, the just my dad actually had just been used powerfully by God. Uh, he'd been at Howard Payne University in Brownwood, Texas, and re, and Dad has experienced outbreaks of actual revival. He hasn't just talked about it; he's seen it with his eyes and uh, talked to people. It, it just that had been overwhelmed by the holy, powerful presence of God, and so you can't witness that and ever remain the same. And so he wrote a book or he, he preached a sermon called the highway of holiness. And it's based out of Isaiah chapter 35 verses eight to 10. And basically talking about that God wants his people to be a highway of holiness upon which people can come to God. And, uh, and my dad says, the problem with God's people is they're not holy, they're sinful, and they're, they're not doing anything about their sin. Uh, they don't even feel bad about it. Mm. Uh, and so people can't find their way to God through God's people because we're hypocrites. Uh, we actually are providing stumbling blocks instead of it being a smooth highway. If anyone's ever had to take detours on back roads and little you know single lane high roads in the countryside or gravel roads, yeah. and, and you're turning here and turning there, and you can't go very fast. And uh, and then finally, you get out on a divided highway, a couple of lanes each way, and you just can step on it and say, "Oh, now we can make time. Now we can get where we want to go." The the joy of just that smooth highway with the big shoulders and uh, is awesome. And my dad was saying that's really what God intends His people to be. Yeah. is uh, if you can just find someone who really knows what God is like and knows how to to get to God, to draw near to God, uh, because they draw near to God themselves regularly, then that's a powerful, exhilarating thing. And for a lot of, and, and so you, you look and as we've said uh, often before, uh, previously, about 70% of churches in America right now are plateaued or declining. There's, they're not reaching new people. Uh, and you'd say, well, why is it the majority of churches are actually just trying to hold on, just trying not to, to lose ground? Um, that doesn't sound like a highway to me. <laughs> it sounds like a cul-de-sac. And, just, yeah. and they're just hoping a few people will just sort of almost stumble upon them and decide to stay. Uh, and that's not what God intends. And my dad in the book has some hard things to say. Uh, he doesn't hold his punches in this book uh, there's several times you just, uh, even, I know dad, of course I know his voice and I know how he said this and, and I'll read a phrase and just have to stop and just, just sort of let it soak in. And, and he'll say, we, we don't hold ourselves accountable. God says, if you do this, I'll do that. And then we realize, well, God's not doing that. <laughs> so what does that mean? That means yeah. we're not doing what God said we're supposed to do. And, and people will say, well, for instance, God in James 4, 8, he says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And then people say, well, I have drawn near, but, but God is, isn't any closer. I don't, I'm not hearing his voice. I don't feel like God is walking with me. You know, I did my part. God's not done his. And, but the fact is, you'll know when you've drawn near to God because he will draw near to you. And there are some places where you just have to say, God promised if I did this, he would do that. Well, he's not done that yet. So I, I may have gone through the motions. I may have thought that I had done that. But you'll know when you've met God's requirements because then God will f- fulfill his end of, the, of his promise. And, uh, but, we, but Dad just says over and over again, we don't hold ourselves accountable. God has mm. 
promise things in his word, but they're not happening in our life or church or nation yet. And God's people need to say, wait a minute, if it's not happening like God said, maybe it's not that God has not kept his word. It's not that he forgot. It must mean that although we thought that we had done what God asked of us, we, we may have been setting the, the term, we, we've set the bar ourselves, and we set the bar far lower than God did. And when we meet our standard, we say, okay, God, I've done what you said. And God would say, no, you haven't. You've done what you came up with. You, you lowered the bar several feet and jumped over it and said, okay, I did it. And uh, yeah. God would say, no, you didn't do what I told you to do. And you can't, you don't have the right to lower God's standards for the church or the nation. And so, you know, th- this is a hard hitting word. Not, not everybody may like what you find in this book, yeah. uh, but look around, turn on the news. And realize this is not a time for a soft, easy, feel-good kind of message. Uh, you know, th- this is a, this is a time where we really talk straight and look in the mirror and say, "Okay, what's got to change?" Mm. Uh, more of the same won't cut it. And so, if you want, it's a it's an I'm going to say it's an easy read. It's not an easy read. It's, it's a, a short, qu- shorter short read. read. Yeah, but. But every page you're going to get hit between the eyes. Um, yeah. And so I, we almost need a kind of a warning on the, the, the cover of this book to say, not intended for spiritual wimps. <laughs> <laughs> you you, uh, you got to be ready to ask hard questions and get out on your knees before God and stay there until God gives you the answer. But, uh, but we're praying, we're really hoping that God's going to use uh, these truths as he has throughout the ages uh, to once again draw God's people to himself. And might just end by saying that uh, over the next couple of months, I'll be doing a number of interviews on various radio stations. I think you and I'll be at the National Religious Broadcasters uh, meeting. I'm going to be speaking there at uh, their meeting in Dallas. And uh, so if you happen to either catch... uh, uh, an interview on this book. You'd be kind of watching for that. Don't be surprised if you hear yeah. uh, my voice or if you happen to be going to the National Religious Broadcasters event in Dallas in Let June. Uh, we'll be there doing interviews and I'll be speaking at a at a banquet uh, there and uh, be, we'd love to see uh, some of our listeners if you happen to be there as well. Absolutely. Well, Richard, thanks. This has been a, a little bit of a different podcast for us, but I thought... Uh, with the book coming out soon, we just it'd be worth sitting down and kind of unpacking it a little bit. And so yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to do that. And as always, we'll leave links to this and I'll probably throw a link to the, to the MP3 yeah, the download MP3, of, yeah. of those original That's sermons. A, you and just want are, a powerful, if you want to hear my dad at, it, at yeah. his best. You might have powerful. to pull off the road a, a few times uh, yeah. if you listen to that while yeah. driving. Uh, so with that, uh, we'll leave it there. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.